On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, should we feel sympathy for the man who drove the truck that hit the bus in Humboldt? It sounds like a crazy question until you hear what he did in court and the fact that he took 100% blame for his actions. Does that make him somewhat of a sympathetic character? We're going to chat about the Blue Jays, who now look like they are heading for a summer of... And we talk about the new drunk driving laws, the new drinking and driving laws in this country. Are they fair? Are they right? Who came up with this stupid answer? By the way, I just gave away our feelings. Who came up with this stupid answer? Mike Fortune and I, Mike Fortune from Cable 14, brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio right now. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. The driver of the truck in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, who hit the team bus of the Broncos and killed 16 people, pleaded guilty this week. His yep. name is Jaskarit Singh Sidhu. And what was very interesting about this story to me, and Christy Blatchford wrote a tremendous piece in the National Post. You can still find it online, and I would encourage you to, because what stood out to me and to her and to a lot of other people about this is that apparently... According to her and according to lawyers, he had a variety of potential defenses that he could have used that probably, based on past use in courts, would have very likely given him a really good chance to get off Mm -hmm. of these charges. He Mm -hmm. may have beaten this, but that would have meant that he would have had to put the families all through this. And beyond that, he simply commented that I don't want to make this any worse. And he pleaded guilty. The point of this is we have a society where nobody wants to take blame for anything they do. If you do something, if Mike, now Mike, you would never do this, but if you did something remarkably stupid, Mm -hmm. you, if you were a typical member of our society, would look for some way to spin this, that there was someone else who or something else that was somehow to blame. Agreed. This guy... And I'll say his name again, not to rub it in, but because in the midst of this tragedy, I got to give the guy some compliment. Jaskarit Singh Sadhu said, you know what? I'm guilty. I did it. I drove the truck. I caused this. I'm guilty. When I see that, I, I don't think that I'm supposed to feel like I feel sort of almost a sense of sympathy for him now, but I almost do. I almost feel badly a little bit for him now, even though he was the author of this. I, I wouldn't go as, as far as saying I feel bad for him. I, what I do appreciate about what he said is he's obviously had lots of time to think about this. Yeah, when was this? Last April, I think? Last April. April. Yep. He has obviously had the lawyers in his ear, as you alluded to, saying, look, we can. there's ways we can maybe get you out of this. But for him, for a, a human being to sit down and in his own head, because he's going to have to live with this for the rest of his life. It shows a lot of character, I think. That's why I feel sorry for him, but though. But I still don't feel sorry in for a him. Sense. Because he still, what he did is just unspeakable. I, it's, well, it's tragic beyond words. But for him to not find a loophole, it actually gives you a little confidence in the human race. Well, that too. That does. But why I feel some sympathy for him is exactly what you just said that he is going to have to live with this for the rest of his life. And when I hear the plea that was read in and see this, 
it doesn't sound, now we could see something come up in sentencing that I'm unaware of at this point. It doesn't sound like he was driving like a maniac. It doesn't sound like he was drunk. It doesn't sound like he was doing anything malicious. This is the kind of thing that literally there, but for the grace of God, all of us who have driven have made errors while we've been driving. Yes, we have. And this is a guy who had a momentary Lapse in judgment. Lapse of, of judgment or of attention. Yep. Maybe Whatever. not even of judgment, just of attention. Mm-hmm. And at the worst possible time, and 16 people died and 13 others were seriously, seriously injured. injured. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be allowed to feel any sympathy for this guy, but I do now. Mm-hmm. I, if he had gone into court and fought and fought and fought... I am positive I would not have had these feelings. Right, because you would have seen the anger and the tears and the frustration uh, come out from all the parents who have lost, all family and members a person, who lost someone. And a person doing exactly what most people in society would do, which was mm-hmm. to say, not my fault. But for him to go against the trend and stand up it is wonderful. I, again, I don't have, I don't really feel sorry for him because... He still, like I said earlier, he still has to live with this. This is going to be something I don't, you can't imagine what's going through his mind, how he has to live with himself. And now to do it in a cell, to do it uh, amongst other But shouldn't other that make inmates? us feel sorry for him that he has to live with it? Because he's, that, that to me is, is really the part about this, that he seemed. So, so what, because I, I did see one of the, the fathers, I think he said, whether it's, it's, it's one day, whether or, it's one day or ten years, the fact that he came out and said he was guilty—that's yeah. all that mattered to them. Yeah. So, so maybe is there a? Can we set? Can we start a new precedent? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't go to jail. Yeah, you know what? He's guilty. He said it. But can can you help the the guy out along? I don't know. Probably not. I don't think those are the rules out there in in that province. To me, the the. Again, the part about feeling sorry for him is the part that he, he seemed, and look, the man could be a great actor. I don't know. I don't know him. None of us know him. I don't think nobody listening probably knows this guy. Maybe some trucker from around here who's listening knows him, but I don't know. He seemed genuinely contrite for what he did. That does not mean in my mind, and we're going to come back and talk about it. That does not mean in my mind that because you're sorry, that there are no consequences to your actions, but it does in my mind. Mm -hmm make it seem okay to somehow suddenly feel badly for the author of this that I never expected to feel that way. We'll take a break and come back and keep talking about this. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. We're talking about the Humboldt bus tragedy, not about the tragedy itself. We've covered that story more than enough, but this week in court, out in Saskatchewan, the driver of the truck who caused the accident stood up in front of the judge and with no buts or no despites or no excuses said guilty. Whatever, whatever punishment is going to come my way, I was the driver. I did what you said. I'm guilty. I was in the midst of a very tragic story, Mike. I was truly impressed by that because that never, ever happens anymore. If you can find a way to pin this on bad road design or the truck's brakes not working or the sun being in your eyes or anything else, if it, everybody, it seems in our society would look for a way to find someone or something to blame. And when this guy 
said, no, I, I'm sorry, I'm guilty, I did it. Mm-hmm. I was, it's probably not the right word, again, considering he caused this accident, but I was really impressed. I really was. You know, I read the story as well. I'm, again, I, it's not that I wasn't impressed. My, my mind kept going back to the crying parents and the sons and the daughters and the aunts and the uncles of these people who have lost their lives or who are, who are, you know, forever their life has changed, as has this man's as well. But I think a lot of the empathy still has to go towards the team and what the team is dealing with. Um, it's impressive that this man was able to do this. Will this set a precedent? Will there be a, is this maybe a bit of a silver lining? Potentially, maybe some good can come out of this. We truly don't know. But I think the the memories and the uh, the thoughts still have to go towards the families and the players and that whole town just still struggling through this, which is going to be for, for years. Well, here again, now I, I don't want to be totally softy on this one. I don't want to be the guy who Mm -hmm. is giving credit or siding with the wrong person. And it's not siding with him, but there was a story that was in the paper this week about a person in Hamilton. And again, you can go read the story who attacked a woman or two women with a hammer and did enormous damage and then got up in court and said, I'm sorry. Even though he got up and said, I'm sorry, I have no sympathy for that person, even though he admitted his guilt, because the difference between these two stories is one of these was a conscious, malicious, mean-spirited, violent action, knowing that somebody was going to have their life devastated. The other was a blip moment in time of what we've all done, what we've all done Mm -hmm. that led to tragic results. And Here's my question for you, and I, and I, I honestly don't know the answer, and I, I, I should apply it to myself as well. My kids are a little bit older now. If your kid had done something incredibly careless, and let's think of something that could actually happen around the house. Let's say that, let's say your son, it was a good kid, by the way, he's not going to do this, but was in the kitchen, and what could be a horrible thing that could happen? He, Dropped a knife, and it landed on the dog. Okay. Okay. Sure. And so it was an accident. He was being not totally careful with the knife, but he dropped it and he injured or killed the dog. If the, if your son said, dad, I, yeah, it was my fault. Do you, do you bring the same level of punishment you would if it was, well, I don't if know. he was saying, but dad, my dog, my sister startled me and the, you know, whatever else. If there's absolute, kids were talking about all this. I know, but no, because it's the punishment. If there's absolute admission of guilt with no excuses, does the penalty that follow, because this guy now is going to face the penalty phase. Does the penalty change? It's quite possible. And I think we've seen judges make those decisions. This judge is going to have a very interesting decision. Should the penalty change for an, uh, for an un, unquestioning or unblemished admission of guilt? Should it and would it? I. What would t- you t- do? If t- you were the judge and the person admitted their guilt wholeheartedly, would you say? I would do my due diligence and homework. I would. I would try to investigate and talk to every, as many of the family members as I could, if you're allowed to, I don't know, and get a, get a sense. I, but again, maybe a judge isn't allowed to do that. I don't know. What would you do if you were a, now this is a very difficult question and we, we don't know the answer to this one, but could you imagine being a family member and hearing this? Does it, do you think, 
and we're being really well, hypothetical here. Do you think that if you were a family member of one of the victims, that it would change your view on the penalty if the person admitted that father who said, doesn't matter to me now, sounded like he would not fight either one. And it, it sounds like, a, in my opinion, it sounds like a lot of people would probably go that way. Again, it's, it's really tough to say. You almost don't, you'd never want to find out. You don't want to know how you would feel. You don't want to know if you would forgive or yeah. not. Because you've also heard of, of people uh, who've, uh, who've murdered someone and the, the family will get up in court and they forgive the person mm-hmm. that's on, on trial too. That takes a big person. That yeah. takes a lot yeah, of something. Hugely. And I don't know if I have that in me. Remember the story from a number of years ago where the person went into the Amish community with the gun That's and right. killed all the kids and the, all the Amish families stood up and forgave. And, they all and forgave. It's, it's remarkable. I, 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 this to me, and again, I, maybe this is where the sympathy or the feelings of sympathy that I did not expect to feel for this guy, maybe where it comes from again, is this is not a case like that guy who drove his car when he was five times the legal limit or whatever and killed the three kids and the grandparents where your actions were, you knew. You knew what you were doing. That you were putting people at risk or where you intentionally violently hurt someone. This was a moment of carelessness with unbelievably tragic consequences that nobody could have anticipated. The more you're talking, the more you're kind of convincing. Well, and, and, and again, I did not expect... I did not expect to feel sympathy for this person. And somehow at the end of this thing, I do. And he's still going to have to pay a price. There's no question. Our society demands that when you do something like this and the consequences are this heavy, there is going to be jail time, I would think. That's, that's, that's just for that's deterrence. But I expected that when this thing came to trial that I would be saying, this guy needs to go away for a long, long time. Now I'm... Now I am not really sure what I expect anymore or what I want anymore. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Jeff Bezos, who's the guy who created, started, founded, built Amazon into the biggest, I believe it's the biggest company in the world, or maybe second behind. One of two. One of two. Behind Apple or certainly up there. Uh, and he is worth 139, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. 139, billion. 149 billion with dollars. A B. With a B. And they are getting a divorce. It turns out, I mean, talk about, of all the ways you're going to be brought down, it turns out that National Enquirer got a tip that he was not, let's put it this way, uh, the Amazon package was not going to its designated address. Oh, but oh, boom. He got caught. And some photos were taken, and uh, for other reasons as well, Mrs. Be- Mrs. Bezos got s- questioning some of his behaviors. Anyway, she wanted to return the package. She yeah. wants to return the package, damn it! And uh, <laughs> and so she is divorcing him. Well, they are in Washington State, which is a community property state, meaning any money that you make in your partnership, your marriage, after you get married is by law automatically split 50-50. What a payday. So she is, they're saying, going to be getting at least $66 billion. She is overnight going to be the richest woman in the world. What do you do with Although she money? kind of is already, well, right? I mean, th- th- it's just her name's it's... not attached to her. But this is the question, Mike. We are going to walk down politically incorrect lane here. Okay. In the biggest possible way. Going to get us in trouble. We're going to get us in trouble. Perfect. Because 
We are so they're saying yes, she will immediately be the richest woman in the world. Now, my point is, well, she already is the richest woman in the world because she's married to Jeff Bezos. But then they say, yeah, but Jeff Bezos is the guy who's the face of this company. It's really the argument is we put his name to this. It's not when we put the list of the world's richest people, we don't say Mackenzie and Jeff Bezos. We say Jeff Bezos. Yep. If that's the case, then if, if people are all saying, wait a second, he's the guy that built this company. He's the guy that built this brand. He's the guy that came up with the idea. 66 billion bucks. There was no prenup. Should she be getting, it doesn't matter apparently doesn't matter. in Washington state, should she be getting $66 billion from him just because they're divorcing? Well, it that's the law in that state. So the answer is yes. Now, if you want to take it out of that and take that law out of it, I guess you hire some good lawyers on both sides and you fight it out. It sounds like that's the easiest and simplest way sure, well, to, to, to make sure that there's a lot of, uh, there's not hurt feelings. If there's kids involved, it's like, you know what? 50-50, you go your way, you go your way, everyone's fine. If you want to play nasty, you know, that's that's when these things can get really sticky and out of hand, unfortunately. The, the question for me, and let's take the Bezos name out of this for a second in this particular one, although this is the launching pad, because it could be the other way. What if it was a woman who was the CEO or the founder of this company and she was married to a guy and they ended up getting divorced? I would use the same, I would say the same thing. I would question the same thing. I understand and I tend to, I tend to lean towards the answer of yes, but if a woman is running the company, if the wife is running a company that she has built and all of a sudden you split up, should the husband automatically get half of it when she was the one doing the work? I, Again, in this state, as you said, the answer in this has state, to be it's yes. Legal, yes. But and you would, you, would you not think if you are making this type of money, would you not be getting your your legal team, your affairs? Oh, he, I don't think he's just going to sign a check for $66 billion. No, you, you, you have to think that there's also things going on behind the scenes. Do you know who's the happiest people about this? The lawyers. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you think, you know, in a typical divorce, I don't know what the number is. I've not been divorced, thankfully. Don't plan to be. But in a typical divorce, I mean, it's it's a good chunk of your family capital is used up. Just in fees. Just in the fees. Yep. Some lawyer, he's got at least, there's going to be at least two lawyers and you know, there's going to be teams. There's going to be squadrons of lawyers parachuting in. They're going to be paratrooping lawyers into this thing. And they're looking at someone who's got $135 billion. They're licking their chops. They can't. Lawyers are flying in from parts of the world where they don't even have lawyers. Exactly. I'll help. And, and, and that's, that's, what's a real shame about all of this. You know, when, when people are going through these situations and sorry to all the lawyers out there, um, but why can't you make it a little easier for everyone involved? It's obviously a rough time as it is. And, you know, it's it's not going to be made any easier now, unfortunately. Yeah. And the question for me again, we'll talk about this after the break. We've got to take a quick break. Yeah. The question okay. for me becomes, regardless whether it's a man or a woman, a husband or a wife who has run the family finances, has created something that has led to great wealth, mm-hmm. should it automatically... In this again, in this state, this is the law. But should it automatically just be split in half, or should it be more nuanced than that? That to say that one of them, we'll talk about the other the argument to the other side after the break. But it's something that has been talked about this week. Okay. Should she get sixty six billion dollars for being a spouse? 
You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. In studio with Mike Fortune, we are talking about the Bezos divorce, and we are talking about something that probably some people are going to gasp that it would even be said, and that's fine. And the question is whether, this is the launching off point, but whether it's a husband and wife and the husband is the head of a major company or has all the money or whether it's the wife who has raised or created this huge company, should it be automatic that in a divorce that it's 50-50 always, no matter what the circumstances are? And this case is the the perfect example for this because by every account, as far as I know, Jeff Bezos is the guy who created and built Amazon. Now, the flip side is you make the argument, yeah, but his wife supported him as he did this. And and while she may not have been the CEO and may not have been in the garage on day one creating this, that she was behind him and allowed him to do that. And that is Plays another- an integral part. It's a compelling argument. It is. I, I guess my question is, is, why is $66 billion still not enough? Well, I'm sure it is. Oh, you mean for him? Well, yeah. Like, you know, at the end of the day here, when... when you, you don't think that these guys, that him and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and these guys, that oh. somehow that they there is a competition of to be the richest man? Of course there is. Hands down. And he'll plummet to about seventh or eighth Ooh. overall if he drops to $66 billion. But he's a smart enough man, and I'm sure he's got lots of business opportunities on the go, and he'll take that $66 billion, and he'll reinvest, and he'll probably get it up to another 100 or up to $120 billion again and he'll be just fine. Well, yeah, the the going to be just fine. I think there's there's hardly much concern that if you you know how much 66 billion is? I did the math on this one. I did what this on the show the other day. What can you get for 66 billion? Well, you can read this in the paper tomorrow. Okay. But she could it, or he now with 66 billion buy every single team in both the NBA and NHL based on Forbes magazine's valuations of those. You could buy the entire league, both leagues. Phenomenal. With 66 billion, but here's the 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 number that really blew me away when I did the math. She or he could spend 1 million dollars a day. A mm-hmm. million dollars and this is with no interest, just the money that is there now. A million dollars a day for 180 years. Wow. That's Great. how much money imagine. $66 billion is. That takes you a long time to do that math? It took me a while. <laughs> math was not my strong suit. <laughs> math was not my strong suit. But it, it, you realize how much money we're talking about it's, here. It's a stupid amount of money. Uh, and, and again, you know what? They, they've both worked very hard for this. They got in because if if you get into a position, and I was thinking about this during the break, if you get into a position where you know you're, you're getting your legal team involved while you're married and she's doing that, well, where's the trust all of a sudden? Because now you're almost planning for a divorce. At the end of the day, he should have just kept his package in his pants and everything would be fine. I would think. I I I will never. I have never. I will never be in a position. I guarantee you to be talking about billions of dollars. I do have to believe that when those numbers start becoming your reality, you start to lose contact with reality. Does he have any clue how much a bag of milk costs? That's what I mean. No. You can literally buy anything on the planet. Save for a country. Yeah. I don't think, is there anything on planet Earth that you could not buy for 60 Six billion dollars. I don't think so. We can't imagine what it's like in their world on a day-to-day basis. We truly can't. Not that I'm being sympathetic. No, I'm not being sympathetic. That doesn't either. excuse his behavior. Um, 
as, as far as, you know, the fact that he, again, seems to have been caught having a little thing with somebody else that's 66 billion, 130 billion, whatever, doesn't excuse that. It just, uh, I heard the discussion today or yesterday. In the I office? Thought it was, was this in the office you heard this? I don't know where I heard it. No. And it was just a fascinating discussion is if you build a company, male or female, man or woman, husband or wife, if you build a company and you have a spouse who has been there and been supportive, should that spouse who didn't necessarily have hands on with that company get a big chunk of that company? It would be interesting to know what the laws like this are if, if this happened while he was in New York or out in Los Angeles or like that. Well, or. Because, because it, then, then, then this, this conversation can go in a bunch of different directions, I think, but because it's so specific that it's 50, 50 in this particular state, it, it's kind of hard to fight it. Or if he came into the marriage with this, because this Amazon was built after they got married. Amazon started a year after they got married. So this entire thing was done mm-hmm. with her as his wife. If he had come into the marriage where it really gets interesting is not it, is not if he comes into the marriage with Amazon already as a $100 billion company, because then you know there's prenups and everything else written about this. Where this really becomes interesting, or would have, is if Amazon had been three or four years old and still in its infancy and still a very small company once they came together so that he would argue, this was entirely my idea. I did all the legwork. And it took off at the end. The, the example that I think of for this one is, uh, and it's not, it's not a fair comparison, but is the case of Tim Hortons with Ron Joyce, who bought the company from yes. Tim Hortons' spe- uh, widow. That's right. And once he had control of it, turned it into a massive, wild success. It's, it's an interesting one. I, I think once, once the purchase or once they got married, again, I'm sure her name is on a lot of documents. I am sure she put in just as much blood, sweat, and tears as he did. One way or another. No, I, so I, I, I don't have. I don't have as. I don't have a problem. I think she's a very smart, intelligent. I know she. Well, I don't know. I don't know her, but you know, you do a little background check on her. She's a smart, intelligent woman herself. It's not like she's. I gotta watch what I say. It's, she, she knows what she's doing. She's a businesswoman. This would not even. I don't think be a discussion if we're not talking about sixty-six billion dollars. That number just makes it so crazy that it changes the dynamic of everything. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let us move along here because there was a story this week that was talked about on the station a great deal, as it should have been. I know Bill Kelly talked about it. I know Scott Thompson talked about it. And as I say, it was absolutely worthy of the time they spent on this because when I first heard this, mm-hmm. I thought first, nah, it's a, it, I, everyone's misunderstanding Mm-hmm. No, there's a, there's some kind of breakdown in communication here. And then when I heard, no, it's real, I thought, okay, now, now it's a joke. So someone's having us on. This is not really the case. The story, if you've been following the station during the week or if you've been reading anything or listening somewhere else, Canada's impaired driving laws have now changed. And police now have the capacity, have the ability, have the right to stop you and ask for a breath test up to two hours after you have been driving. And if you were to blow a positive test after you've been driving, apparently the onus is now on you to prove that you weren't drinking when you were behind the wheel of the car. So you go to the liquor store, stone cold sober, 
not a drop of alcohol in your body for a week. You have not had anything to drink since last Saturday night or last Friday night. You buy a bottle of whatever. You go home. You have a few shots of that or a few glasses of that or a few bottles of that, whatever it is. And one of your neighbors has calls the police and says, I, I think I saw Mike driving erratically. And they show up at your house an hour and a half after you pull in and say, can you please blow into this? And you do, and you blow positive because you've now had three. You have to then prove, apparently, that you only began drinking after you got home. This sounds nuts. It, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, and I don't know what precedence this is going to set. I, I don't know how you prove this. I don't know how you disprove it. I guess maybe you just make sure you have a very, very good GPS system and uh, you say, Mr. Officer, follow where I have been and uh, show that you've you've only been here at home. I don't see how this can stand up in courts and lawyers just must be chomping at the bit saying, go for it. Let me be the first lawyer to try one of these cases. There was an explanation that was offered for why this was put into law because I couldn't even figure out why this who would have thought that this would have been a good idea? Mm-hmm. What politician or bureaucrat said, I know what we need to do, put in a law that seemingly, to your point, will never stand up in court. Mm-hmm. The explanation that, or at least one explanation given was, I guess there are some people who have used as a defense, they've been caught in their car mm-hmm. driving with driving impaired. They would suddenly pull out a vodka bottle or some other bottle of something else, not open, so they're not breaking the law by having open liquor in a vehicle, and chug the entire thing, and then they, the cop would not be able to prove by the time they did a breath test that they had been wow. impaired before they got pulled over. I drank it after you stopped me. But if that's... How many people, Mike, would possibly think it's a lot to do of work. that? Criminals think like that. Crazy people. Really? Think like how that. many? How many were that? How many people who are driving drunk would be that clever to come up with that kind of defense on the spot? Clever or desperate to get out of something? Either one. How many people could possibly formulate that kind of a plan uh, on I, the spot? I, I couldn't give you a number. I don't. I know, would say it would be small. It would probably be small, but obviously someone has thought about it, and that's all it takes is one person to think about it, and it can turn into a trend. But, it, okay, and so had you ever heard of anyone doing that Until before me telling you right now? Until you just told me, me now, no, I couldn't even imagine So it can't that. be a trend then. Like there couldn't have, maybe, maybe among. In the underworld, maybe. <laughs> the drunk driving <laughs> the underworld. The drunk driving world. And that's, we're not making light. No, but is there a drunk driving world? Is there a place where all the drunk drivers hang out together before driving drunk and share their secrets? I, I mean, it to me seems... If that's I, if that's what you're worried about, I I don't think there's that kind of a world. But there is always it's come up. In, like I remember what you know when you, when you were a kid or a teenager or something. Oh, if you ever get pulled over and you've been drinking, you know, uh, suck on a penny or something like that, because the copper will you know throw off the reading or something. So I think there's always kind of like little talk around about little things that you could do to try to quote unquote beat the system. But here's the part about this that doesn't even make sense to me. If if your plan, if your brilliant master s- criminal plan is that when I get pulled over and I have been driving drunk, I am going to keep a bottle of vodka in a sealed bottle in my glove compartment in order to guzzle completely to throw off the police s- ability to bust me for this. You can, if you are holding your car keys and you are in your vehicle and you are impaired, even if the car is not on. Doesn't, yeah you can still be busted for impaired driving, not blowing over the limit then. You only have the one charge, not the two. So it's not like 
this brilliant criminal mastermind strategy is even going to get you off the hook in the first place. And again, then I go, so what's the thought process that someone came up with that we now need to have you and I and everyone else potentially prove that we didn't drink and drive. It, it, it seems the opposite of what our justice system is supposed to be about, the innocent till proven guilty. Well, and now they, they were going to be guilty until proven innocent. And, you know, I, 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 don't see, I don't see a lot of officers, though, going up knocking on, on people's doors if, if something like this does happen. Like, it'd be interesting to know if there are stats from HPS, if this would ever, you know, a year from now, for example... Does it maybe it's just it's all part of the whole drinking and driving mindset that you you just got to slow things down, look at everything differently? I don't know, but it, it it's still okay. This don't drive erratically. Don't give any. Don't give a reason for someone to call saying, "Hey, uh, license plate so and so was uh, wasn't doing their job. Go check them out." We just had a. Uh, Justice, I can't remember his name, I'm trying to get it, who came up with the report on carding that was released mm. this week or last week. Yeah. And coming up with the idea that this is a terrible thing, we don't want to use carding, we don't want to be having people who have done nothing wrong have to answer to the police, that's a police state, that's a, all those kind of things. So we now have police able to pull you over and uh, require a test with no... No reason, reason to believe that this is carding. This is the exact same thing. So at the same time that we have a report from a, I think it's a provincial court judge or a Supreme court judge or superior court judge. I'm not sure. At the same time that his report says stopping people and asking them to check their mm-hmm. blood alcohol. What? No, before that with carding to check oh. their, where they've their, been their or status, what they're doing yeah. or status. Anything. That's totally, totally wrong. We, we can't fathom that. We can't tolerate that in our society. We introduce a law saying, but if you're behind the wheel of a car, knock yourself out. Stop everybody and do anything. And I'm with you. I don't believe that most police officers are going to do this. I don't believe that most police officers are thinking that this is necessarily a good idea. And I think part of the reason why is because they don't want their name dragged through the mud and have to go through all the court hearings, so on and so forth. It can it can it can stall an officer's career. Well, it can stall. It can take a lot of time. It can. But here again, I go back to the problem with this: is it is now allowed. It is something that an officer can do. And so let's say, Mike, let's go back to my example. Where on Friday night you have been dry as the Sahara Desert for a week and you've gone to the liquor store, bought a bottle of scotch and you go home and you have a couple goblets of scotch and for -hmm. whatever reason, now you're feeling a little tipsy and an officer shows up at your door and says, I know you were driving an hour and a half ago. We have you on a traffic camera. Please give me a, a breath test. You blow positive now. There has to be a reason why he's knocking on my door. Maybe there is, but you still were innocent, but you are now being accused of something. You now got to hire a lawyer. You've got to take time to do all this, the stress. This is, this is not without its cost. Mm -hmm. And so I'm with, I am completely on board with mothers against drunk driving and all the others to clear our roads of people who are driving while they are drunk. This to me is one step way too far, way too far. Does it include, uh, uh, cannabis? Any type of impairment or strictly alcohol? I, I can't remember what the article said. My understanding is that 
it is alcohol and it, I it may should be, wrong. be anything that impairs your driving. The problem is, and I agree with you. I agree 100%. And that could be what's in here. The problem is asking for a breath test. They don't have the technology to do a breath test the same way on, on... So all they could find is that, as I understand it, that you have had cannabis in your system. Mm-hmm. But unlike with alcohol, where they can have a numeric right measure, but where it says you're two times over the limit or whatever, they can't do that. You can't see... First of all, because they haven't established a limit for cannabis. That's right. And so you can't... So even if they could figure out what the limit is for cannabis, we don't have a limit right now. It's just you're not supposed to toke and drive. But they don't have that ability right now. So I think they probably, I don't know what happens if someone says, Mike was, I think Mike was stoned when he drove home and the cop goes to your house and you're all glassy eyed and he smells the skunk weed in your house. I, I Can he charge you? I don't know. It'd be interesting to get um, the chief of police oh, he was thoughts on, on this. No, no, I, he, I didn't was hear on, he was on with it would, Bill. It would also be interesting to uh, to hear a lawyer side of this, what, what their thoughts on this are and and what you need to do. What are your what are your legal rights regarding something like this? Well, you have to acquiesce. You it, it, refusing a sample is a criminal offense. What you, if, if you what, ref- what, what if you don't answer the door? What if, what if you have these smart home monitors oh, nowadays? I see. I, see. Where, I, th- I thought you meant if the cop just pulled you over. But what, yeah, if what you, if you have these smart home monitors and you can see that there's a police officer knocking on your door? Well, I'm not going to go answer it. It's a good question. You know, it's a, it's a good question. Car, cars in the par- driveway, yeah, but I'm not. No, thanks. But the, <laughs> I'll, I'll stay here. Keep you know, have my scotch. It's a very good question. Because after two answer. hours, what happens at two hours and one minute? Oh, I'll go knock on the. Oh, yeah, what's up? You know, I don't know the answer to that. So one. how now, do you there, prove there was, all that? There now. was a story this week though about a guy who was pulled over. He took. It was after the holiday season, after the Christmas season. He had three or four cases of empties. Mm-hmm took them back to the liquor store. I can't remember where this story was. I read it this week. It might have been in Hamilton, maybe Toronto. I'm not sure. Um, took them back to the liquor store as returns. Police officer saw him carrying in three cases of empties and thought that seemed like an awful lot of empties. I better stop him and uh, ask for a breath test. There was no erraticness. Erra- erra- er- there was nothing unusual about nothing, his driving. Nothing erratically <laughs> different. Nothing erratic about his I, driving. I had to carry, one time I had to carry, I had so many bags and, and, and cases. I had beer bottles falling out on the parking lot and people were helping me. I, I'm Thank gosh a cop wasn't by then. But that's where this thing is. Now, I just, I, I'm i not. So are we jumped the shark? Have we no, gone too far then, do you no, think? No, because I, well, oh, with this? I yeah. thought you meant our show. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no regarding this specific I topic. I don't blame and I don't criticize, and I have no beef with the police. Neither do I. Who may now do this. I have no beef with the police who may be instructed by their superiors to, to take advantage of these laws, and we are going to try and find people because the door is open to us. All of the blame for this idiotic, stupid, moronic overreach of a law goes to the federal government for passing this. This is a stupid, unfair, idiotic law. There that m- doesn't solve anything. There must have to be some reasonable cause, though, for for, for something no. like this to happen. There has to be. The police so, are... So al- you're trying to tell me an officer can pull up along a street and just start knocking on a door? Yes. Well, uh, on a door? Uh, on, on doors? Go from one door to another? Well, you, once you upon a time... You gotta well, take this breath test? Let me back up. It used to be that, let's say you pulled into a ride program. 
Yes. And you know, when you roll down your window, the police... I always thought the police doing ride programs have the single worst job because part of their... Smelling the breath. Smelling the breath. And you know what some people's breath smells like. Of course. And you're not... I'm not talking about booze. No, I know what you mean. Somebody comes home from having a garlic-laden souvlaki somewhere, and now you've got to <laughs> shove your head in that guy's window and catch a big whiff of that. Or they're just, you know, Georgie gingivitis. And <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I'm talking about. So, but yeah, it used to be that they had to have reasonable cause to ask you to get out of your vehicle yeah. and give a breath test. Now they can just ask you to get out with or without the reasonable cause. And so it extends then seemingly that they could then do exactly what huh? you just said. I don't expect they will, but they could no. go to your door and say, you were just driving, give me a breath test. Times are changing. People have not gotten the message year after year after year. And if they have to keep going harder, then so be it. But why is this the answer as opposed to the much more logical answer, Mike, which is, you know what? We're going to quadruple, quintuple the penalty. If you're caught one time driving drunk, your license is banned for life, period, on first offense. There are ways that don't completely spit in the face of the presumption of innocence that you could crack down on people and get rid of drinking and driving more. And if they don't want to follow the rules and if they don't want to get on board with the program, that's fine. You're never driving again. So you and I, we, we, we do this show, let's say, and we go and we have, we have one, we have a couple drinks. That's the one time we've ever done it and we get pulled over and you're saying that the cop, that's it. You're done. You've lost your license forever. That's it how would the be, rules it would be. be very harsh, but we, last hour we were talking about the driver of that truck. I know. I, that's where I was kind of going with this. Do you have In Humboldt, sympathy? and you make one mistake, and <laughs> does he get to say, well, this was the first time I ever didn't completely pay attention on the road? And the difference between him and this is that this one, you know that you're doing something that could get you in trouble with him. We don't know, but it sounds like it was just a momentary lapse. So yes, if you get behind the wheel of a car and your blood alcohol is over the limit and it is, oh, maybe, maybe it's not for life. Maybe it's for, instead of for a year, maybe it's five years on first offense and lifetime on second offense. I, I honestly truly don't think it matters because I think you're seeing more stories and articles nowadays where when a driver is pulled over, they've, they have a suspended license. Why do they have a suspended license? Probably because of what they're getting pulled over okay. for this time already. And so what and is, people are going to keep doing it no matter what. But then Mike, what. what does a suspended license get you in court? Here, The whole thing is if with all of these hey. different levels, if we ratchet up the penalty. So now if you drive without a license, and again, you can argue to me, well, it's the first time I ever did it. Look, if you're okay. driving without a license, you know you don't have a license. It's... Three months in jail on first offense. Let's let's hit okay. hard. All right, and then you and then you get out, and then what? You, you can get right back into a car again. You can have someone else buy a car for you. But you then drive the without time, you take a year risk. In jail. The, the, there are people. You're right. And do we have do we have the jails and and the cells and the capacity to hold all these people because they'd be packed. You are correct that there are people who will do this regardless. I I do not disagree with you. You are 100% correct. There are people, if they don't have a license, they'll continue to drive. If they don't have insurance, they continue to drive, whatever else. But I do believe that most people, if the idea was that if I drive drunk, I don't get my license for 10 years and then I lose it forever the second time, that is a deterrent. That is a, now... That second drink that I have, I may think really, really long and hard because 10 years without a license, I can't get a job. I have no chance of my career. There's a lot of problems. I agree. 
I, but, I, but that's how you and I think. I think there's also a portion of the population that doesn't think that way and just says, you know what, forget it all. I'm doing what I want to do. But responding to that by putting in a law that stomps and tramples all over our rights by making us now have to prove that we're not mm-hmm. guilty rather than the police prove that we are guilty is problematic to me. Here's something that I hope happens. Even though, even though... I do understand that ultimately I'm paying for this decision and you're paying and everyone listening is paying. If you get stopped under this new law and have to hire a lawyer and go to trial and everything else and it turns out that there was nothing to it and I've had to pay for a lawyer and everything else, the government should have to pay me back. And I know that comes out of my tax dollars, but that seems like the only fair way. I agree with that. Either through the government or through a police service board or something like that. I agree. And that makes a lot of sense. Although it's never going to happen again, no. because you do that 10 or 20 or 500 times over around the province, or around the country, that's a lot of tax dollars that start adding up. And if lawyers, and I'm not picking on lawyers, I come from a family of lawyers. I love lawyers most of the time, but if <laughs> they know now that it's the government that is paying for their fees potentially. Oh, look out. Fees are going up. Look out. Fees are going up, and so the tax dollars go up. It's it's a it's a tricky. One. Did they say, is this a pilot, or is this this is? I don't. This I, is no, set in stone. This is it. This is my understanding. I hadn't heard if it was a pilot or not, so I'm just I wanted a clarification. Uh, I suspect that it will be a pilot, because I suspect that it's not a pilot right now. But there's going to be such blowback, and. I don't believe that this is going to hold up in court. I don't believe this is going to hold Can't up in court, and they're going to have to change the law. You're going to have to tweak it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, before we get started on this topic, and I do want to talk about this because Russell Martin got traded today. Big and, trade. Uh, sitting in front of Mike Fortune in a ziplocked vacuum seal, well, not anymore. He just opened it. Just open it. It's bag. not in box anymore. Is a, a now autographed copy of OK Blue Jays that you were just listening to on a 45 signed by, hand signed, with love by oh, Keith Hampshire, who oh, is the singer who played, who sang that. All the best, Mike. Keith Hampshire, he signed the cover and he signed the record. My, my problem now is, though, because I mentioned this both to you and Laura, my son got a record player. My original plan was to just frame it and never play it again. But now that my son has a record player, it's like, what do I do now? Well, so for people who don't know why you would be sitting here on a Friday evening in early January when we're freezing our butts off outside and you've got OK Blue Jays on a 45 sitting in front of you, Keith Hampshire, who is the singer of that, who you were just listening to, his daughter Laura is, you hear her every day from 4 to 7 on the news wheel here on 900 CHML. So the daughter of OK Blue Jays. Yeah. And when you told me that story about a month or so ago, I, all Your my, eyes went boing! All my childhood memories came flooding back. I'm like, your dad is the voice of my childhood? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was really cool. And I'm thrilled by this and I'm going to uh, treasure this for many, many, many years. The only sad part about this whole story is that the talent of Keith Hampshire was not passed down to, I'm just kidding. Oh, come on. I'm just teasing. You know what? Laura, <laughs> Laura is a terrific singer. Yeah. Someday, someday, if there's a really slow news day and Ted Michaels and Rick Zamper and all the rest, if there's real, if they're really struggling to fill time. Get her to sing. 
just get Laura to sing. I think she's also known to frequent some karaoke bars here in town from yeah. time to time. I'm, you know what else? Did, did you ever watch Cheers? Sure, of course. Didn't so watch do you remember? Cheers. Do you remember when Sam Malone one time decided that, or he got asked to do the sports on television? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and he thought, I'm going to change this up. So he decided to rap he the sports rap. and ended up with a gr- 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 groin injury. <laughs> so, groin. so Laura could do the whole news. Why not? Singing it. Uh, if she could great. turn it into a musical. It'd be wonderful. She'd be do like, a super job. Instead of Les Mis, we lay news. Les news. Oh, I'm lay news you. about the Blue Jays. Big time, eh? A lot, lot of money they're paying people to not play for them. Just before I finish, oh, ratings oh, are great. Ratings are great, but if ratings ever dip on 900 CHML, this could be the new thing. Remember the TV show Cop Rock where they tried to turn yes. NYPD Blue-ish kind of thing into a musical? The 900 CHML musical news. We should, uh, let's uh, do a little parody. Let's think of Jeff Story, if you're listening. You can pay me for that idea later. <laughs> uh, but yes, the Blue Jays, the reason we are talking about all this is because the Blue Jays traded Russell Martin today. And uh, I think everyone knows who Russell Martin is. He's the catcher. He is a guy who's been with his team for four years. Canadian He's born. a Canadian born guy. Here's the stunning thing about Russell Martin leaving, or one of the stunning things about Russell Martin leaving today. Mm. Back in the fall of 2015, October the 12th of 2000, I had to look closely, October the 12th of 2015, Sports Illustrated on its cover. So we are not, we are just mm, end of 15, so 16, 17, 18, three seasons away. The cover of the magazine showed, it was called the New Jacks. It was all about the new exciting Blue Jays, the players on the cover. Edwin Encarnacion. Gone. Troy Tulowitzki. Gone. David Price. Gone. Jose Bautista. Gone. Josh Donaldson. Gone. Manager John Gibbons. See ya. And now Russell Martin. Bye-bye. Every single star player Sports Illustrated felt worthy of putting on the cover of their magazine is a see you later Sally. They are gone. The Blue Jays have been stripped down to the chassis. Now they have some young talent in the minor leagues. One guy in particular, Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, And Bichette. Maybe. To some some extent. We'll see. We'll see. Possibly. Potentially. Okay. This, though, seems to me now to be a franchise that will be about as much fun to watch as a live colonoscopy. There is nothing worth watching this summer. I'm sorry. There isn't. We have seen the the, the one- For 25 years we've seen this. The one hope that I do have is the, the, the men in charge, Atkins and Shapiro, they've done this before they did it in cleveland and they built not just a winner but a consistent long-term winner we've seen we, wait a we, second we've they, seen houston do houston, this cleveland became a winner when well they have after the they left they but built, they, they put they the put all the pieces there. in place yeah, they, they, they put all the pieces left. in place and then an opportunity here in toronto came they were they were winning while they were there right winning ish yes. winning ish they were selling out the ballpark yeah Right, I, 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 yeah. So, but we we see teams do this. It's going to be tough. But if you're a ball fan, there's still nothing better than going down to the ballpark. And I think with the young guys, if this is what I think, this is where you're a hardcore baseball fan. If you can get through a season one like this, two, maybe a third season, this is shows that you're a true baseball fan because you will put up with the shortcomings. You'll put up with the comedy of errors. You'll put up with the bad. Um, 
pitching performances, the slumps that people. Are I would going just through. rather watch Major League every day this year, no. this summer, and you can build relationships with these players. You you can remember when, remember when, remember when Vladdy hit his first home run, and now he's maybe hitting <sighs> a game-winning RBI to win the World Series. This is what. Oh, it's all you about. are an optimist. When it comes to I, you know, this is my sport, I would, man. This I know. is my team. It's, well, I, I love, love it. I love baseball too. I I am looking at this, saying to myself, this seems to me to be a terrific year to find another team that you can root for. Because if you are only rooting for the Blue Jays, then, it is going to be a cloudy, cloudy then don't, summer. Don't don't call yourself a Jays fan, man. I've been one since as long as I can remember. Oh, be a Jays fan as well. I'm just saying for your own sanity, find a second team that you want to follow that maybe is going to be okay. So on those days when the Jays are kicking the ball all over the infield and the pitchers can't get anybody out, uh, here we go. This is your other option. Because here's the problem, Mike. Not only are you now paying Troy Tulowitzki $38 million? $38 million over two years. Over two years. So $19 million a year to not play for you, but to play for your main contender now with the Yankees. And now Russell Martin, you're paying him. It sounds like they're going to be paying him about 16 to $17 million a year. Yep. You're coming close to paying $40 million U.S. to guys not to play for you. This team, there is a line, what was the song? Uh, Second That Emotion by Smokey Robinson <laughs> and the Miracles. There is a line in that song, a taste of honey is worse than none at all. Yeah. Having had 2015 and 2016, now for a lot of people like you and I, who had suffered through 20 years of mediocre or worse baseball, that was a reminder of 92 and 93 in the years before that. Sure was. For a bunch of new young fans, this was their first ever taste of winning baseball, and you are now right back into the abyss. You are right back into the abyss, and you are going to be there for a long time because Boston is young and set up for a long run, and New York is young and set up for a long run, and you got to compete with them. But we're getting young as well right now. And yeah. you know what? You start to make some acquisitions. You start to put little things in place. You, you know, you got a lot. Of, I think we got some guys coming to us that can be trade bait moving on as well. It, regardless of it's this year or next year, the AL East has always been the toughest, and it always will be. And you will always be going up New, uh, up against New York and Boston against probably the, a couple of the biggest payrolls in MLB. That's just how it's going to be. Is it fair? No, but that's the way it is. That's how you have to play. The thing what's happened with 15 and 16 is it has brought a whole new generation of baseball fans together. Do you think they stick around though? Because you're right. It brought them in, but do you think they stick around now that it's going to be a lot of losing? They're going to have to be very creative, I, I believe. The franchise itself, yes, it's, it's all about wins. But if you can do something to keep the fans engaged, I don't see why not. I, and, and I hope they can. They can be creative. They have to be creative if they want to keep this continuing. Because, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one way that they're not going to do. They're not going to do. But this would seem to me to be a terrific time to say, hmm, we recognize things are going to be really difficult here. We're slashing a little bit off ticket prices. You know, and when I say slashing, that's too strong a word. We're trimming ticket prices. We're going to show you that we understand that we're heading into some dark times here. And so we're not going to, not only are we not going to raise them, we're going to knock them down by 5% or 10% just to show our 
goodwill towards the fan base. That, to me, would be the place you start. But I'm betting you that ticket prices are going to be going up. Well, because at the end of the day, it's a business. And yes. And, and again, I can't speak on behalf of, of Rogers or anything like that, but I'm fairly certain the Blue Jays are just one line on the ledger in a book, and you have shareholders that you have to appease. And that's all it comes down to. You have to be making money. How many people are going to be in that building every day? It's going to be, it's, it, it's going to be a little barren at times. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be an echo chamber. And the other part is it's already really expensive to go. I went once last year with my son. We went on Father's Day. You know how much a beer is? At Couldn't guess. Rogers Center now? 15 bucks. At, at least at for least. one of the big King Canes or whatever they call them now. You could buy a couple beers or at the Dome mm-hmm. or you could buy a case almost back home. To me, again, if the team is not doing well, well, there's one of two ways of looking at that. Either people are going to drink more beer <laughs> to ease their pain, or they're going to look at this and go, why am I paying this much to watch a bad team? I, 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 I think the Blue Jays got, I, I really, I don't want to be a downer. I think they got real problems. I think they have real problems because I don't, unless, as you say, all these young guys, Vladimir Guerrero by every person who's ever looked at him says he's going to be fine. He's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. That's great. Show me one baseball team that's ever won anything with one player. The, the Angels have Mike Trout, who is the best player in the game. They're never in the playoffs. They're never even close to the playoffs. So th- this is a team that's got problems. And I'm sorry, I keep trying to have this great faith in Shapiro and Atkins. To me, Shapiro is the m- mystery man who only appears like the groundhog in like Wyatt and Willie. He comes out once a year to say a couple things, then he goes away. And Atkins, I'm convinced that Ross Atkins is a guy who is an animatronic. He's just a puppet? No, he's not even that. He's an animatronic. They have words that are programmed into some sort of computer chip. (laughs) And when you press his back, he says, analytics, war, we try to, you know, presentable player, blah, 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 blah. These guys don't do anything to inspire the fan base. We are going to have our growing pains. There is yeah. no doubt about it. We're going to have and, groin and pains. We, we've had a lot of issues over the last couple of seasons too. But look, look, we're also in a in a part of of North America where we're also used to this. Look at what we had to put up with the Leafs. That makes see that makes it even worse now. People well, are getting used to a winning team with the Raptors and the Leafs. Now that the Jays are losing. Now it's it's even but, worse for. But them. now's actually maybe a good time to be losing. Let, well, let let the Leafs take the pages. Let the Raptors take the pages. This will be the last year the Raptors do it for quite a while. I'm maybe. sure. Maybe. Yep. Could so be. so let the onus go on the Leafs right now, and we'll quietly be behind the scenes, and we'll start to build up our franchise. You're a real optimist. The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.